0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
1: My name is Michael Bischoff. I was here a few weeks ago and get to hang out with you occasionally, and it's always fun to come back and be able to share things that are on my heart. And this is my wife, Darlene. Some of you have met my wife, Darlene. But this was one of these messages that I felt like I just couldn't do alone today and I'll tell you why in just a little bit. But, so I invited her up here um, to actually share with me and we haven't done this before so I hope this is a good thing. If you didn't get one of these cards yet, there's stacks up here and I think I'm supposed to invite some of the folks to come grab them and they're going to pass out the card with the verse on it uh, with this series Your Verse so you can have the verse to take with you this week and uh, that'll be awesome. Sermon notes on a business card, right there. And there's a place on the back for you to take notes, so write small. <laughs> so uh, yeah, really thankful to be part of this series. Always good to hang out with you all and, and get to know many of you even better. So the verse for this morning, Philippians 4, 6-7, through 7, which says, and it's already been read, but do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is just one of these interesting verses. It's kind of funny because Boog chose specific verses that he felt were good for me. Because Boog thinks he knows me. And I think he does. Um, to a certain extent, but I think he felt like one of the first times we met, like Michael was this great non-anxious presence and doesn't have anxiety. And one of the things I shared with the pastors that I was with, which book was there, is kind of the impact of anxiety on us today as leaders and what a struggle that that is. And yet, when I saw this verse, I'm like, no, I can't do this one because honestly right now, I'm like anxious that it says Philippians 6, 6 and 7 when it's Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And Boog says he's loading the slides in, did you do that on purpose, just to like trick him? No, just kind of indicative of my week. I'm anxious about a lot of things. Um, I'm anxious that I'm doing this with my wife and I don't have a clue what she's going to say. Because we usually don't do this together. I I think this will be a good thing. Uh, I'm anxious about flies. And those of you that are sitting in the front rows know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I'm anxious about the fact that you guys have to move, uh, and you don't know where you're going to go. I felt anxious about the fact that when we looked at those pictures from the dump in Tijuana, that there's little kids running around in unchanged diapers, and people that are so poor they don't have food to eat. Do you feel some of that? Some some of that stress. Um, it comes all the time. You know, I we we wake up in the morning. Here's one of the reasons my wife's with me because when we up in the morning, Darlene will go like, "Good morning, Lord!" And she'll look over me and I'll be like, "Good Lord, it's morning." <laughs> so I'm serious. Those of you that know me I have some friends here, and you guys know, I just tend to be a little heavier, a little darker. Um, struggle with some things, and I shared even a few weeks ago when I was here, some of the things I'm struggling with, and thank you for those of you that have been praying for me. Some of you have been praying for me and, and emailing me, and that's so encouraging to do that. But I kind of live in this place. So this by no means is a message by someone who's arrived and figured out how not to be anxious. If anything, I kind of want to share out of my story a little bit of what's going on down underneath the surface, and then say, Help! And then I got the amazing privilege to marry a woman. And we just celebrated our 32nd anniversary last month, which is really awesome. And um, I just don't deserve to live with her. But God has this funny sense of humor that he balances things out. And seriously, she lives a non-anxious life. And I wanted her to be able to share some of that, because I don't have a clue how to tell you what to do uh, in this area. But the, the good news is the Bible does and Philippians 4, Philippians 6 doesn't exist. Philippians 4 has an amazing, amazing verse that will radically change your life if you choose to live with that and according to that. But let me share a couple things, first of all, because I think it's important to kind of set the stage for that. Uh, Anxiety is the number one emotional issue of our day. Uh, Panic anxiety. Some of you know what that's like to experience panic attacks, okay, and I'll talk about that in just a second here. Panic anxiety is the number one mental health problem for women in the U.S. and second in men only to substance abuse. That's really, really significant. Um, I got these statistics from one of my mentors, um, just a godly man uh, who wrote, wrote a book called The Anxiety Cure, and if you... Uh, ever get a chance to read that, it would be an awesome read for you to do. Arch Hart is his name. And it's kind of funny because uh, I don't feel so bad sharing with you about my struggles with this area because the last time my wife and I went out to breakfast, actually, with his wife and, um, and him and the two of us, it was the four of us sitting there at the table. Seriously, he sat there the entire time doing this <laughs> and rearranging the fork and the spoon and the knife and looking at his wife, because it was really about his wife kind of sharing with my wife things about her ministry and their ministry and, and ministering to pastor's wives and women in ministry and those kinds of things. And he was one of the most anxious people I'd ever had breakfast with. And I'm like, that's so good. That's why you wrote the book, you know? Because you wanna learn from someone not who thinks they know what they're talking about and it's all theory. You wanna learn from someone who's living in the midst of the gunk And and stuff. So, anyway, I got a lot of these statistics from him and from that book, The Anxiety Cure. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, more than 23 million Americans suffer from some form of anxiety disorder. Now, for those of you that do struggle, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't, it might be a little bit harder to understand, but I found some quotes this week that I thought I'd share to help you relate a little bit better. Here's one. If you miss a step on the stairs and your stomach lurches, it feels like that, but lasts much, much longer. Can any of you relate to that feeling? Something like that? Here's another one. Like when you're in a dream and you're screaming, but you can't make any noise. You ever heard that dream? That's what anxiety at that level feels like. My body thinks something is gravely wrong, but my brain doesn't have a clue what to do about it, so it starts racing to the worst possible conclusions. Any of you do that? Like worst case scenario? That, that's where I go. And When something comes up, I go worst case scenario. Figure like, man, if I can figure out the worst case scenario, it's got to be better. Anything from that point on will probably be a little bit better. A couple more. A panic attack goes from zero to a hundred in an instant. It's halfway between feeling like you're faint and feeling like you'll die. Some of you have probably experienced that. And one last one. A huge fist grabs hold of my insides. My heart goes into overdrive and I go through the motions in autopilot. Now maybe you can experience that. Uh, Maybe you felt that experience and you know what that's like and maybe you don't. But here's one thing that I want to share. When the Bible talks about anxiety, it isn't talking about the kind of anxiety that there's something physiologically going on and you probably need medication for it because some of us need that. Sometimes I wonder I might need that, the levels of anxiety. And if you do, that's okay. God has allowed uh, science to create certain medications that keep us alive and help us live and don't be critical of those in any way. But there's a difference between that kind of anxiety and even what some of these quotes illustrate and worry. And I think it's really important to understand the difference between those two things. Worry is what the Bible is talking about in this verse in Philippians 4 that we're looking at, and yet it calls it anxiety. So we'll kind of use those terms synonymously today. We'll talk about being anxious, we'll talk about worry, but it's not talking about the level of anxiety where you have panic anxiety disorder, panic attacks, and it's not condemning those things. And the reason I know that, because God has too much grace to condemn you for something you're feeling that He wants to help you with. That's not the kind of God that we serve. So just, does that make sense? I want you to understand the difference between those two things. The Bible isn't condemning that level of anxiety. Whenever the Bible refers to anxiety, it primarily refers to what we think of as worrying, worrying. Worry anxiety is addressed in the Bible and it's really the only criticized form of anxiety. It's this kind and maybe Jesus makes it a little more clear in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus describes it this way. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, Or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Now some of you maybe like me have those pictures of Mexico going through your mind and going, but what about them? I don't know because I haven't been down there recently to Tijuana, but I think if we were to ask many of them, I would just venture to bet that some people who have so little possibly worry less than those of us who have so much. Do you know what I mean by that? The more we have, the more we have to worry about. Now, I'm not saying they're living a better life, but Jesus said in Matthew 5 before he got to this verse that they are living a blessed life. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those that mourn because God meets them in that place. And I know that Scripture says that even though our minds, it's really hard to figure out. It goes on in Matthew 6, and Jesus says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, King Solomon of Israel, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you You of little faith, you who have so much and yet sometimes your faith doesn't show. And then finally he says, so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Isn't that a good thought? God knows what you need, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that's the context, okay? That sets the context for what Philippians 4 is talking about when it says, do not be anxious, okay? Do not worry. So if you do have panic attacks and you struggle with that level of anxiety, don't beat yourself up, please. Give yourself grace in that place. Be kind to yourself, that's really important to understand. So here's where I really want to go today. So how the heck do we do this? Uh, because this is only helpful today if we look at a verse and go, that sounds nice, but I need to know how to do it. So back to Philippians, Philippians 6. Oh, sorry. <laughs> back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where we get to this verse, and I want to look at some of what it says, because I think in these two verses there really is some answers some solutions some places to go when you're in that place of worrying about those things so don't be anxious but in every situation it says by and I put some words in red there by prayer by petition thanksgiving present your requests to God so Darlene I'm curious so how do you do it take it from here I'm kind of done so, what, what, what are some of the things that you do when it comes to worry and anxiety, um, and how do you approach that in your own life?
2: Well, I think one, is this on? I just want to make sure. One thing I, I do often is to realize that there's a bigger picture than what I see, trusting that God has my back, that God has my future and if I can imagine Jesus going before me in a event that might be coming up or we don't even know what event might be coming up but knowing that God is there going before me and then he's walking with me along the way Mm -hmm. that helps me to realize that he knows what I'm going through and that he's there for me and also to realize In the mornings when I wake up, I I do need to have some silent time to regroup from the night and just to get ready for the day. It helps me prepare if I can have some solitude time, just some quiet, even if it's just a few minutes and have some verses that I have pulled out ahead of time that I like to meditate on and think about.
1: Yeah, and we know that's hard for some, like especially like young families when there's very little time to get away from people. So um, it's a challenge to try to be able to find that solitude time and recenter yourself and be able to get your mind in the right place. Now, why do you think it jumps right into these things? It talks about prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. So obviously, it's talking about prayer, and we know that prayer is primarily asking. So it's a good thing to ask God. But why do you think in this specific verse, does it talk about prayer and petition and thanksgiving?
2: Well, as you were saying, not to beat ourselves up for the things that we might be going through, we need to realize that God understands our humanness. We might think that we should be superwoman and not, or superman, and not realize that God understands our weaknesses. And He can be strong in our weaknesses. And If I were to separate those, prayer could be communion with God, realizing that I can keep company with him. Like you might keep company with someone who's in the hospital. To keep company with him is just maybe sitting with him, sitting with Jesus, realizing he's there for you, and communing with him, talking along with him along your whole day. So that could be in the sense of uh, communing with him. And petition, I think God knew... We needed all three of these. Petition is asking God for what we desire, maybe for ourselves or for others. And so I see these as different. And Thanksgiving, there's actual scientific facts that says, being thankful, having a gratitude journal is actually beneficial for our minds. And if we can be grateful, it actually rewires what is the word in our, in our mind?
1: Yeah, it's neurologically. Neuron, yeah. Yeah.
2: Neurologically, it rewires things in our brain to be grateful. And if we can think about the things that we're grateful for, for today, being present in today, it can help us in the long run. And it actually will get easier. It might be hard for you at first to think about sitting down and making a list of things you're grateful for or maybe do it at dinner time around the family table talk about your day and what you were grateful for and actually we'll get easier and we will rewire how we think because we have many tapes playing in our head and we need to renew our minds yeah, with scripture
1: so. it's good uh, yesterday I was watching like a PBS special. Um, Dr. Daniel Amen, who has a clinic down in Newport Beach on the brain. There's a brain clinic. They do thousands of brain scans. They help people with brain injuries and all kinds of things. And his most, uh, the, the, the newest program that he's got is like 50 things to do to, to be good to your brain. How do you how do you protect your brain and help in a day when dementia, and Alzheimer's, and so many things are on the increase? And one of the 50 principles I thought was so so good was this principle of Thanksgiving. Start your day and rather than, good Lord, it's morning, my my default, go to a place where you can actually go, God, I'm thankful for this. One or two things and just say, thanks God for this. Or go to another person and be able to say, I'm so thankful for you whether that's your spouse or one of your kids or someone. You might even, if you if you live alone, you might text someone and just say, hey, I just thought of you this morning and I'm so thankful for you. Literally doing that one act changes the neurochemistry in your brain and sets you in a place where you will worry less. You will be anxious less. One of the things I don't... I think I've shared here before is this website called 21 Day Brain Detox. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is uh, a Christian neuroscientist and deals with how do you get your brain from a place where you're always thinking toxic thoughts, thoughts that bring you down to a place where you can think healthy thoughts. And the very, very first thing she says to do every day is to spend time in thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Even if it's just a minute for each one of those, three minutes thanking God, praising God, worshiping God putting your mind in that place, and you're going to see a huge difference. Um, Darlene just recently finished a three-year program to become a spiritual director, and a uh, spiritual director, for those of you that don't know, is someone who sits with you uh, in it's a form of prayer, and they really sit and meet with folks who want to grow in their relationship with God and do it in such a way that it points out, that person is the spiritual director, helps point out how God is already at work in your life. Because sometimes we miss it. We can't see how God is at work in our life because we get so caught up in the things we're worried about. And so when she finished a few weeks ago and graduated from this program, I'm just like, I need a spiritual director anymore. Can you like switch over, take the wife hat off and put the spiritual director hat on? Because I need to see things from a different perspective. Um, what are some of the ways that spiritual direction um, is, as a form of prayer and some of the questions you might ask people in spiritual direction, might help them get perspective on worry and the anxiety that they feel? I feel a little curveball.: I've been tired about that one <laughs> huh.
2: Ask the question one more time.
1: What are some ways that you, as a spiritual director, are sitting with me, so you can even practice on me if you want, you can like say because you know my issues. So, um, what were what are some questions you would ask me to help me get to the root of what I might be worrying about?
2: So much of what we think about is psychological, and a most a lot of what we think about is interior, and when we uh, meet with the spiritual director, we work on the interior side of us. Things that, how we can spend time with God. So some questions might be, what are they experiencing? So it could be externalizing. They might not really know what they're feeling or what they're experiencing or what they're desiring. And so to help them understand what are those fears where you're not really a therapist, so you're not asking those kinds of questions, but the fears and doubts that we have around our anxiety yeah. need to be addressed. And how are they bringing that to God?
1: Yeah, that's so helpful. You know, I, I often tell pastors and stuff, don't ever use your congregation as a therapist. Um, It's not a good thing for a pastor to get up and and actually kind of share many things with a congregation. But I know I'll often do that with you guys. I share some personal things when I'm here. And it's so helpful when you look at me with those kind faces. And the empathy that's there, there is something about externalizing, talking about it with someone, okay? Um, And whether that's in a big group like this, just being able to share it, a smaller life group, Bible study, support group, environment where you share it one-on-one with someone like a spiritual director. Or even in a journal, even if you have no one, the ability to externalize and take out a piece of paper and write some things down does an amazing job at helping you feel more centered, more calm. And anxiety and worry kind of go away just by getting it out. And as Darlene referred to, externalization, that's one of the things um, that she was was talking about that I think is so important. Um, This verse kind of turns a corner then, um, down toward the bottom of the verse. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if you were to read this whole chapter, Philippians 4, not Philippians 6, Philippians 4, if you were to read the whole chapter and go down a little bit farther, it talks about the God of peace. And here it talks about the peace of God. And I think that's really interesting because the only way to have peace from God is to know that we worship a God of peace. That God and who he is, is a God of peace. Now, I don't know about you, but if I turn on the news every day, I don't feel a whole lot of peace if I listen to what's going on around the world. If I think of what's going on within our government, you know, just yesterday I watched something and it's talking about Hawaii is now having to have preparedness for uh, missiles being launched from North Korea because it's that much of a reality and we're going back to the 60s and 70s again, bomb shelters and duck and cover and all those kinds of things. That makes my anxiety go through the roof. Those are the days that we live in. That raises my anxiety. And yet I've got to go back to the place where I know. We have a God of peace that in God's goodness, He wants us to understand that we can receive peace from God. And you say, how the heck does that happen? And the honest answer is, we don't know. Because that's the next phrase, it transcends all understanding. That's just Bible talk for, you don't know. It transcends our understanding. We don't have a clue how it's happened, but I just thought, yeah, I don't know. You probably have some perspectives on that. When you think about peace and the peace of God um, and the things that maybe we can grasp a little bit, even though it transcends understanding, what comes to mind?
2: Well, first of all, I think preparation of our, for our souls is important. If, if you were to experience a hurricane, if you lived in a hurricane uh, location, you prepare, right? You buy the boards for your windows. You prepare your house for the storm you know is coming. We're either in a storm, preparing for a storm, or waiting for the storm or in the storm. as like something, heat will come into our life. And if we can prepare, actually we will have the opportunity to experience the peace because we've done some earthly preparations. And I think also as the verse in Matthew stated about the lily of the field, the lily is provided for because of its root system. And its root system has been watered and cared for. And if we can prepare ahead of time, know the scriptures that we might want to meditate on, write them or post-it notes around the house. I had a friend that had tile in the bathroom. She wrote a scripture on the tile as she was in the bathroom so she could see it whenever. We have many things that distract us. And scripture, if we can have it everywhere, that could calm us and allow for God's peace as we prepare ourselves for the heat that might come. And Jeremiah 17 says, rely on God. Have confidence that he will bring you through what you're experiencing and accepting that the peace of God is a mystery it we won't know what it is until we feel it sometimes it's the 11th hour we get things right in the nick of time and and the peace comes by us continuing continuing to move forward expecting God to bring that to us but it's a matter of holding things in our open hands and trusting and And realizing that in our weakness, he is made strong. And that peace will come in a form that you might not know how it will come. Mm
1: -hmm. That's so good. Um, Anything else that you want to share? Just suggestions or thoughts or even scripture that might come to mind about living in that place of peace, not being anxious and not worrying.
2: I think of the, the verse in John The sheep know my voice, and they know me, and they follow me. And so think, go through ahead time. Look for some verses. Uh, Psalm 31, I believe it is, talks about how God protects us. There's many, many psalms and verses. Go and highlight them all. Have that scripture in your mind so you can use it. Uh, Sometimes I go to my phone if I'm distracted or just need to relax about you know switch gears before something but if i can have scripture on my mind it'll keep renewing it
1: I heard a story this week. It was about sheep. She mentioned, you know, where Jesus is compared to saying, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. And it's a good thing to follow Jesus because I think it was somewhere in the Middle East that there was actually a place where if sheep start following a sheep instead of following a shepherd or the sheepdog, they could be in trouble because one sheep walked over a cliff and 1,500 sheep followed it over the cliff. That's a scary thing. That's what happens when a sheep follows another sheep. Rather than following the shepherd. And so what does it mean to follow the shepherd knowing that God's going to lead us in the right way? It makes me just realize that, you know, um, it's, it's comforting for me uh, to be able to sit with Darlene and know that she's kind of a stable presence. Um, I tend to be, like I said, I run hot and I have way more worry and way more anxiety. And throughout our 32 years of marriage, we've had many times where there's been great stress and something to really worry about. And it wouldn't be uncommon for her to take my hand and just look in my eyes and sometimes even with terry eyes say, we're gonna make it. God's gonna provide. There's the ability to have peace and it doesn't matter if we lose this house or even if we lose everything because we've got God. And that helps me know too that we need people in our lives. I'm thankful to have a wife that's able to model that for me. And hopefully many of you have either a spouse a spouse or a sibling or a friend or a neighbor someone that's close by and that's what a church family is meant to be too that in the midst of your worry in the midst of your anxiety you can grab a hand and when when it seems like nothing's gonna work out and it's so hard to move out of that place of worry that person can squeeze your hand look in your eyes and go you know what we're gonna make it it's gonna be okay because that's the God we serve, the God of peace. And someone can model peace for us.
2: I love that your logo is branches. It's a tree. There's many, many things about a tree that we can learn about ourselves. And as you were talking about, we need each other. Trees speak to each other through their roots. Their roots go deep down. And they actually speak to each other. If a giraffe is eating at the top of a tree, the tree will send messages to the leaves to become bitter. And then they'll spread it to the next tree. So the trees don't have all the drops eating their leaves. So the trees actually speak to one another and they support one another. If you cut down one tree, it could affect another tree. And so that's a great visual for how we need each other.
1: Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, uh, there isn't a lot there, but that verse that gives us this amazing promise, I don't know what else to add to that. You have to live into it. You have to kind of trust every day. And why don't we just do this? Can we just stand and grab hands of those around us? Because I want you to feel the support of those around you. And let's just all stand together. Grab a hand of someone sitting next to you, beside you, in front of you, behind you, as a symbol of that unity As we pray together, let's pray. See, you're encouraging each other already. I can hear all the rumbling. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Father, we just to confess that we have a real tendency as humans in our brokenness to go to a place where we feel weak, where we feel lonely, where we feel scared, where we worry, where we don't trust, where we don't live by faith. And we know that we serve a God that wants to come and surround us and put your arm on us and say don't worry don't be afraid I'm the God of peace trust me in this don't be anxious and God we need to live into that we need to take a deep breath and know that we're surrounded by people that are even going to walk with us through that place and so I pray that you would drill these words just more deeply into our soul and God, may this verse that we carry on this card over the next week be there to comfort us, to provide encouragement and hope, whatever it is we might face. And even as we can feel the, the hand or hands that we hold next to us, may, knowing that we're part of a church family, friendships, and others that are around us may that bring a sense of calm in the midst of whatever it is we're facing god if for anyone here right now as i know there's a bunch who are facing some real real stressful issues in their lives they might be health issues maybe they're financial issues job related maybe there's conflict in relationship whatever it is that we're facing Help us to even right now, almost as if a fresh breeze just comes through this auditorium and blesses us. May we be able to trust and know that we do not have to be anxious for anything, but because of even this prayer right now of thanksgiving to you and asking you that you're gonna put us in a place of peace. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Glory be to God. Out of word, he spoke
0: you and me into existence. I mean, we, we read about it in Genesis. A series of let there be's. Let there be Michael. Look to your neighbor. Let there be you. Let there be me. This great passion, love that results in creativity, physical form, you and me. That's behind all of this when we're looking at our neighbors. He rules them by his word. That's mind-boggling. So I want to read a couple other phrases that our God said to us all. So feel free to close your eyes and just let them sink in. Fear not, for I am with you. Come to me, follow me. Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And his address to the world, for all those that would strive to find their own holiness, don't have to. He said, it is finished. God, your power, is made perfect in our weakness. Glory be to you. We thank you. And it's in your precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.